Welcome to this special episode of Bickering Peaks. Today's topic is all about the missing pieces and the Between Two Worlds featurette. Lindsay, you love the world of Twin Peaks, don't you? I really do. So if someone came along and told you they had an extra two episodes set in the world of Twin Peaks and nobody else had ever seen them before, and they offered to show them to you, yeah, would you want to see them? Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we got, along with everyone else in the world, <laughs> in The Missing Pieces, okay. uh, which is deleted Extended, otherwise enhanced scenes from Fire Walk With Me. Right. Uh, and they were released as part of the entire Mystery Blu-ray set. Yes, in 2014. Summer of 2014. Yes. Uh, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Yes, we are. Yes. And they, they are roughly equivalent to about an hour and a half mm-hmm. of work. An hour and a half's worth of new footage. Yes. That we knew existed because we had the scripts, mm-hmm. uh, but nobody had seen these. Well, in the script, there were some deviations from the script in... The filming of Firewalk with me. So yes. uh, just because it was in the script doesn't mean it would have been filmed or that it, you know, matched what was what was actually presented. So right. what we got was actually filmed. And there are sometimes very clear demarcations of where it was cut off from the feature. Or other times there's just entire scenes that could have fit in anywhere, really, mm-hmm. in some cases. So, uh, yeah. Are you a fan of The Missing Pieces? You know... I was very excited to watch them, mm-hmm. and I did watch them. I devoured them. Yes. I loved it. But that's different than thinking that it's crucial or necessary for the film. I feel like the film Firewalk With Me is whole and entire, and that there's very little from the missing pieces that I feel would have enhanced the film had it been kept in, in my opinion. Yeah. So while I love watching the scenes and I love that we got an extra hour and a half, and remember at this time in the summer of 2014, we didn't know that the series was coming back. Was we didn't nothing. know that until October. Yeah. So this was this was maybe it. And that was thrilling. And it's great. We got that. And, and that was really exciting. But liking that for that reason... I feel it's different than liking it as part of the whole that is Firewalk with me. Fair enough. So that's where I stand. Yep, fair enough. Aiden, do you like the missing pieces? I love the missing pieces, and I love the parts of Firewalk with me that they do help illuminate. I think there's more there than uh, others, such as yourself, uh-huh. me. I think there's a lot of uh, scenes that help tell Laura's story. Um and then there's also some other stuff that's just cool. And and the reason I asked about the world of Twin Peaks is because I think these help build that world even mm-hmm. more somehow, especially the Red Room and Philip Jeffries mm-hmm. scenes, which get into Supernatural, which you know I love. Uh, I think they give me a nice little overdose. I, mean, I could watch that Philip Jeffries scene five or six times and uh, love it more every time. So I think this will be a good episode because this is Aiden and I have bemoaned the lack of bickering in the last little while. So I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come to blows over this because, well, in as much as we do, 
Just because we have different points of view on this. Uh, yeah, I guess. But I mean, not really. We not both really. like Firewalk Me and both feel like it's a complete movie yeah. that works on You its... do feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I love Firewalk Me. The theatrical cut is, is great. But these are even better. <laughs> these take it up <laughs> a notch for me. And So let me ask yeah. you a question because obviously we watched Firewalk With Me long before we had access to Missing Pieces. Mm-hmm. Did you like Firewalk With Me the same way? Did you like it as much before you watched The Missing Pieces? Or has your love for it grown knowing what The Missing Pieces brought to it or what maybe having that that other perspective on intention? Yeah, I'd say both. I loved it almost as much when we first watched it. I remember really enjoying it. Uh, and then when we watched... So when before we watched The Missing Pieces, I think we watched Firewalks Me again. Uh, and I remember really, really loving it then. I think that was probably only the second time I've watched it. Since right. then, I've watched it maybe two or three more times. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I loved it the first time. I thought it was a really emotional roller coaster for, for Laura. And then uh, when we watched it again, right before The Missing Pieces, I really, really enjoyed it. And then, yeah, The Missing Pieces just added another layer. Yeah. Um, and that's why the thing we will talk about sprinkled throughout here is how they could have potentially worked together, mm-hmm. what they would have looked like. And there, ha- there is a fan edit out there yes. called uh, the Q2 fan yeah, edit. Yeah, we'll talk about the Q2 fan edit. There are other fan edits that have been made and disseminated, but this is the one that I think is most popular. Most popular, and it's, and it's the one we watched. It's the, we did it's watch the one it. we watched. And it does include, I think... All but two or three of the missing think, pieces. Yeah, I think you said two earlier. So, which is actually pretty impressive. So it, it bumps the the total runtime of Firewalk with me to over three and a half hours, I think. Yes, and it and it's quite seamless. I really there were times yeah. I couldn't tell. Yeah, you, know, you forget really. sometimes. It made it tough when we did our Firewalk with me episode with the group um, because we'd be like, "Hey, was that in the missing was pieces, the, or was yeah. that in the Q two, or did was that in the actual well, even, theatrical?" Yeah, exactly, or? and just the way it was. Edited and cut, it, it yeah, felt it was, a lot like it's Lynch. Really, it yeah, was really still, good. So, yeah. yeah, it was really good. Okay, so I think a good place to start would be... Do you have a favorite or, or a series of favorite scenes, scenes that from the missing pieces that you felt were criminal, that they were cut, or that you thought should have been kept in, were... Uh, Instrumental in helping your understand, helping you understand the the film on a deeper level. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, two of them come to mind: uh, the Philip Jeffries uh, segment. Right. Uh, More we, of an extended scene. Than, it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was just extended in the in the missing pieces, and it's. I honestly, I mean, obviously, running time. He cut uh, managed to cut it down to two and a half minutes, maybe, of that entire thing from Philip Jeffries. From the start of Cooper talking to, to Gordon Cole and looking at himself in the camera yeah. to the end, Philip Jeffries disappearing. Yeah, it's a very short scene. It's a very short scene. It's in, like, it's literally probably two and a half minutes maybe at the most. So, so the missing pieces is twice as long, three times as long maybe. Right. It's maybe seven minutes or so. Um, but man, you get so much more and it's so much clearer whether or not that's a good thing, whether or not that fit with the tone of the movie. I... I think it's so dreamlike anyways. It doesn't mm. feel like a real thing anyway. So right. I don't think it, it conflicts with the dream feeling of the the first third of uh, Fire Walk With Me. Uh, in fact, I think it enhances it because even when you get all the extra information about the convenience store and what the conversation was up there, uh, you get Phil Jeffries in Buenos Aires and 
exploding back there at the <laughs> end and you get more information about Judy. All these things, they don't really help you understand, but man, they paint a much broader and more vivid picture of the craziness that uh, David Lynch, at least, and uh, Harley Payton, who wrote the, the script. Ingles. It was Robert Ingalls, sorry, who uh, wrote the script for this, where they were taking the mythology of Twin Peaks. And yeah. it was, it's a crazy place. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I love that that glimpse that we get into it uh, in this scene. So, yeah. You thought it made it clearer. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, as clear as can be in this <laughs> kind of situation. I thought it muddied it way more. I don't know. Yeah. I love one, that, though. Like, it's, yeah. it's still great. but yeah. No, but in the original, you don't even know what Philip Jeffries is saying. Because there's yeah. so much noise and intercutting between the, the FBI headquarters and uh, the convenience store location. You, you thought that made... That was clear somehow? I don't know. I think more information just muddied the water, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I will agree with you. It does. This is one of my favorites, I will, yeah. I will say. And and I think it does add um, tons more. I think, yeah, so having more information muddies the water, but I think it gives you more to pull from when you decide to theorize as we do. Um, so in that sense, yeah, okay, absolutely. It's It's clearer. But I don't think it explained anything anymore. I think it just added to the mystery. Well, no, but it when you provided clear, more information. Yeah. yeah no, it when provided say, more. Whether or not that's clear is, yeah, you're right. I, yeah. I, I misspoke. No, no, no. I just, that wasn't me criticizing your No, 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 but you're right. Speak. Like, <laughs> it is so I don't bizarre. know what else you would say. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, okay. All right. Fair enough. Do you want to, do you want to go through what that, what happens in that scene? Well, I mean, we can talk about it briefly, but, uh, you know, it is the Philip Jeffries. Uh, we start off with him in Buenos Aires. He's at a hotel. He asks for a, yes, if there's a Miss Judy there. Yes. Hotel clerk gives him a package from a Mrs. We don't know if uh-huh. it's the same one. He goes off, and then from there, um, we go to what fans have called above the convenience store, uh, which is uh, a meeting place of lodge spirits that we've seen in the past. The Chalfonts, uh, Little Man from Another Place, Bob is there, and a whole host of new ones that we hadn't seen before this movie, which included the... The jumping man, um, who has a stick. Uh, there's a lot. There's a woodsman who has a huge beard and is slapping his knee backwards, which is super cool. There's two woodsmen, right? There's two woodsmen, yeah. But only one they really Does focus in on. There's yeah. another guy right beside him. Yeah. There's flicker, flish, flickering lights, flashing <laughs> flickering lights. Yeah. Uh, there's a formica table and a hole where uh, perhaps a ring was cut out of. Uh, mm. You know, it's just it it ha- it hammers home all these images that. Um, I have no idea what they mean. I have no idea how they connect with anything right. in Twin Peaks. But, man, they're cool to watch and so scary and ominous. The music is crazy. You also get hints that this is perhaps connected. Well, no, not hints. It's pretty well connected to the Fat Trout trailer park because you get the number six. It pans down on right. number it's, six. Yeah, the, the, the pull from outside the, yeah. that gives electricity to the trailer park is... Uh, I think that's just David Lynch links these things visually yeah. um, without saying that that electricity is how they maybe travel, travel? or that they that's what they use to move. Mm-hmm. It seems like that. I don't know. Or yeah, because it seems like that. You mentioned um, a couple of days ago that it, it almost seems like Philip Jeffries was like electrocuted or something. Well, like yeah, the when, fire that, that yeah. erupts or that it, there's like scorch marks. On the wall behind him when he reappears but he's in Buenos Aires, a little bit almost, yeah, yeah, and it's almost it, it does seem kind of like he was struck by lightning or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, 
so yeah that that definitely comes in there's also like some really weird dialogue that happens you oh, know yeah. we get we do get mention of electricity um great because Buenos Aires means good, good air. air or you know could it could be, be interpreted air, yeah. as pure air yeah um, which is interesting because like he says from pure air we have descended yeah. from pure air so is it from pure air period we have descended from pure air we have descended from Buenos Aires now yeah because that's the way I kind of took it is that this thing is now that's where Philip Jeffries is gone he's right. whether or not he's the same person maybe he's one of the characters in there, you can't okay, tell. Like, yeah. I mean, theoretically, this is the this is the one that he this is the meeting. Yeah, because he does talk about. about yeah. yeah, he talks about when he's in the FBI headquarters. Is I went to one of their meetings. Mm-hmm. We're assuming this is it, so perhaps he's even one of the characters there. Yeah, we don't know exactly where Philip Jeffries fits in with all this, but there's some other characters. Uh, the Chalfont, the uh, younger Chalfont, the grandson. Pierre. Yeah. Oh, he has a name. I forgot yes. about that. Yeah. Uh, he points at. Mike or Bob maybe and says fell a victim. Yeah, what does that mean? What does it's that mean? it's I mean that's something that ha- that is said in Fire Walk with me but the uh, yeah. but yeah, it's it's uh just another thing to question. Uh one thing I don't remember if it is and do you get the with this ring ID wed in the, the I think cup? so. I think you do. Yeah. Um but there are some other things like there's some extra shots of Bob looking really menacing yeah. slash ter- scared. Maybe he's in ecstasy. We don't know. It kind of connects yeah. to there's Laura a really good shot of him. Yeah. Where he looks like he's in some sort of bliss. And then it's very closely tied to Laura's face, yeah. which we also get at the end of this yeah. shot before we go back to the FBI headquarters. Right. Um, we get a shot of Laura's face in that ecstasy pose when she's on the stairway. Yes. And no idea. Is she perhaps there too? Yeah. I mean. There is a moment later on when she has that where Bob is talking to her. Potentially Bob's in the room when that's happening, in the room above the convenience store. And, and also in the stairwell yes, with, Laura. with Laura. I mean, time doesn't yeah. have to make no, a lot of, of sense No, of course not. There. We know that yeah. time doesn't make uh, make sense. One thing that I... Uh, just to come back to from Pure Air, uh, we've descended... Mm-hmm. Um, a theory that's been floated since the secret history was released mm-hmm. is that there are um, portals or hotspots around the world where um, places where you can enter and exit the lodge. Yes. And like Glastonbury Grove. Like yeah. Glastonbury yeah. Grove. Maybe Buenos Aires is one of them. Yeah. Some of the places that are mentioned in the secret history, like uh, Pasadena with the Jet mm-hmm. Propulsion Laboratory yeah. or. Um, uh, Do they that, mention Seattle in the book? Seattle's mentioned. Well, Seattle's mentioned in Fire Walk yeah, with Fire me. Walks me yeah. It's uh, maybe that's one of them. There's also um, it, it's either in New Mexico or Arizona or something. There's like a the the Hell's Mouth or something. Oh yeah, they do mention that. Where yeah, one of that. the the um, one of the Thelema, I think, or the the mystical organizations has like a secret been so long since i read this yeah, book i'm forgetting it but anyway uh so maybe that's another portal yeah. that that is connected well, so it's possible that maybe like buenos aires is yeah another hot spot or or something yeah so it could be well and, and they've descended from exactly and the one that uh, that's kind of mentioned 
potentially is Seattle mm-hmm. because uh, when Philip Jeffries, David Bowie's character, does go to the FBI office, yeah. he uh, specifically talks about uh, going to Seattle and finding going to the me- attending the meeting above the convenience store there. Right. Yes. At least that's kind of what's. Well, hinted maybe at. it's so, like you said. It's it's yeah. It's so not messy. not a hundred percent clear, but. Uh, but that's the other mention of Judy that we get yes. in, in the missing pieces version. Uh, he says that he found it in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, but, or at Judy's, I think. We get that shot of Laura that you mentioned. Yeah. And then it's kind of like a bridge between the convenience store scene and the FBI headquarters in Philadelphia, yeah. which is where Philip Jeffries appears. So he yeah. disappears in Buenos Aires. We go to the convenience store. He well, we reappears. don't see him disappear. No, we don't. Disappear, that's yeah. right. So, but, but we can we assume presume he because did. when he walks in, they say he's been missing for two for years. For two years. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because he's wearing the same clothes that we just saw him in, in Buenos Aires. So... He walks out of the elevator as if nothing's happened, but he starts in with this fantastical story about the meeting that we just presumably just saw, mm-hmm. and uh, and Cooper's there, and Albert's there, and Gordon's there, and they're all kind of freaked out and trying to figure out where he's been. Before they get much information, he disappears again, and it's kind of like, yeah, what's going on? What's going on? And there's only two other things that really kind of jumped out at me. One was he mentions the ring. Yeah. Uh, he just kind of mumbles it. He, yeah. At one point, he's he's so kind of broken or distraught or something that he puts his head down on, yeah, on Cole's table moaning. and he's just moaning like he's in pain. Yeah. Um, and he, he mumbles about the ring. Um, and then the other thing is, after Albert's been sent out for mineral water yeah. and Cooper's going out to presumably check on the state of the power or whatever, because the lights start flickering at the end of yeah. the scene, of course, uh, Cole hammers on his... his uh, Two-way radio or right. his intercom Transistor system. Intercom, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, to his secretary. Secretary, you would think. We saw him with two earlier. He doesn't have one here. It's a different office too. It's a different office too. Yeah. Yes, which is interesting. Uh, but he, he yells out "Mayday, Mayday!" and then. Can anybody hear me? Mayday, Mayday. when Twin Peaks takes place. But that's not the date that he appears in this FBI office because presumably he arrives... Two years... Because they do say you've been missing for two years. You've been missing for two years, but we know that this this conversation that Cooper was having happened in 1988. Yes. So he went... So Philip Jeffries went missing in 1986. Yeah. So he reappears in the FBI headquarters in 1988 but is having maybe a premonition, or he's remembering, or... He, or, or he was in February who 1989, knows? who knows? Yeah, so it's just, I think, I think this scene, the way it is, and it hints at more timey, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff, mm-hmm. to borrow a phrase from Doctor Who, that, um, that maybe isn't as clear in the theatrical version, but that I think is going to come to play a role oh, yeah. in the new season. Yeah, the secret history of Twin Peaks really seems to yes. point in that direction. Like, so this makes me wonder. Like, this scene was filmed obviously in in nineteen ninety one ninety two when mm-hmm. you know before the yeah, for, before the, the theatrical release. release. Yeah. Uh, but for it to be um, on David Lynch's mind in two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen when they're prepping the Blu-ray for release, 
and then for him to go right into you know filming writing and filming new season of Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. you know that's you gotta think this is on his mind right so I would think so that's why I think I can say with with a fair a fair degree of confidence that there's gonna be some time discrepancies potentially or something or something like that Uh, and remember this was originally one of three films that Yes. Lynch was going to yeah. write in the Twin Peaks world. Yeah. So there was going to be more room for sure. the the myth building and the world building. Uh, yeah. And this was perhaps a linchpin. Perhaps it was just a fragment of something that yeah. they were going to build on later or not build on, yeah. knowing Lynch. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? Maybe it'll be really important. Maybe it won't be. Maybe we'll be coming back to this and thinking, who the hell was Judy? Yeah. <laughs> what know? did this matter? Yeah, this wasn't anything. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll find out. So Lindsay... Does there is there a particular scene that jumps out at you that you really loved beyond that one? Um, I really I think there are two scenes that happen in Laura's section of the film. Um, I divide it between the Deer Meadow prologue mm-hmm. yes. and then the last seven days of Laura Palmer, and two scenes from Laura Palmer's segment really jump out at me. And one of them is uh, the breakfast scene or the dinner. Sorry. The dinner scene, the first dinner scene that we get at the Palmer House with uh, Leland teaching Sarah and Laura how to say, how to speak in Norwegian. Yeah. Um, I really love that scene because I think it sets up this, it's, it works on a couple of levels because I think it sets up a nice contrast with the other dinner scene, which is so horrific. And also the breakfast scene after Laura realizes that her father, that Bob is her father. Um, but... So it shows this family that's functioning and that's laughing and having fun together. But on another level, it seems to be very manic in a way that normal families maybe don't experience. Yeah, I feel like their whole family is manic depressive. Like or, or something. It, not not necessarily on like a like a like a diagnostic level. No, no, no. no. But I mean, but, literally manic and then depressive. Yes, like yes. There, there's huge highs. Like. Uh, Grace Zabriskie's laugh uh-huh. as Sarah Palmer and at the in end of that scene, scene yeah, oh is God. just brilliant. Yeah. It's so funny, and it's the sign that we don't get of her. We usually get her shrieking, right? But the but sound isn't the really things. no, like, they're not de- that, that different. different. But and those are the two Sarah Palmers that we get. We don't get like a measured, regular Sarah Palmer until really her second last appearance in the Wake episode, right? Uh, in the series when they kind of shoehorn her character into that yeah kind of right role. right um but it doesn't really feel natural it feels like there's always the two palmers yeah <laughs> and i feel like the same happens with um laura deals with the same kind of thing where she has these these moments of of mania or or where she's happy or where she's on drugs or where she's you know not with bob and then the moments where she's with bob mm-hmm. are the, the two extremes and then leland as well goes from being Bob to being Leland and he's in the, those two polar extremes so it this feels I, I'm not convinced that they're laughing out of maybe it starts out of genuine laughter like genuine happiness mm-hmm. or genuine pleasure yeah. but I think by the end it's like we're laughing because we don't know what else to do yeah. and and yeah like it's it's a very unsettling scene it as is much somehow, as I yeah. as much as it also is positive and and yeah yeah but not yeah no i agree um the other scene that from laura's section that i really love is 
with Doc Hayward. Yeah. Uh, when Laura and Donna, it's, it's after Laura has discovered that her diary has been, um, that pages have been ripped from her, from her diary. She brings the sacred diary to Harold, and then she goes to Donna's, and uh, and Donna invites her in, and they Laura has a cigarette on the couch. Yeah, so Doc Hayward comes in with Eileen. They're bringing Huckleberry muffins. And uh, and Doc Hayward has this magic trick that he starts doing, uh, which doesn't work, but it involves a rose. And he talks about Sparkwood and 21, where it did work. The The magic trick worked at the, the intersection of Sparkwood and 21, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then it, clearly they pick up on the fact that Laura is not well, or that she's not in her... She's in a bad state, and Doc pulls a piece of paper out of his pocket, and it's a prescription. That it's he's a prescription, about, yeah. yeah. But then uh, Donna kind of whispers in his ear, and and Doc leans over, and he, and he reads this beautiful poem to Laura about how when the angel that's meant for you returns, you'll weep with joy, and it's just I cry like a baby every time I see this scene, and I never cry during movies. So I don't know what that means. It's just, it's such a powerful, powerful moment. Well, because, I mean, it, again, it feels like the Haywards, the normal family in town, yeah. until the last episode, <laughs> are, are the ones who can kind of figure out there's something wrong with Laura. Nobody yeah. else really picks up on it. Right. Uh, right down to Cooper, even. Yeah. Really doesn't, doesn't investigate why Laura is so upset. Um, but yeah, the Haywards are doing their little thing, you know? And I think that's... Uh, yeah, it's just it's so sweet and so touching, and that's why I feel like these scenes add so much to Laura, Laura's character. I think yeah, that absolutely is true for for these scenes. I think that I, I I would love to sit down with David Lynch and ask him like go see my scene and figure out which ones of these why why did you get rid of these or was it just because of time or was there a thematic reason why you had to get rid of them? Because I feel like this it this scene and the last one. And even the Philip Jeffries scene, maybe the Philip Jeffries scene I can understand being cut mm-hmm. for time reasons, or the way that he compressed it into yeah, the way that, that he did, yeah. um, kind of makes sense. These two scenes feel like they they add more, and I don't understand why they were removed. I think it's just time. It it might just be but, time. But they are also more positive, and uh, you'd kind of mentioned this when we were chatting before. Was that Fire Walk Me feels very dark. Yeah, it's Laura feels pinned in, and you, as the viewer, go along with that feeling mm-hmm. uh, the whole way. Right. And these scenes offer some respite. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's almost not welcome. I feel in in the theatrical sure. cut. I feel like they add to the pathos of Laura's circumstances yeah. at that yeah. time, and I think the Q two edit uh, when you see them pushed together mm-hmm. really does enhance. Laura's story and mm-hmm. really makes the the sense of uh, relief and catharsis at the end of the movie stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some hiccups along the way to that path, but right. I feel like these positive scenes uh, just give stark, such stark contrast to the really bleak, negative stuff in the pink room and uh, you all know, the scenes with Bob. All the scenes with Bob. Yeah. All the other verses having meeting truckers for yeah. sex and cocaine. Like it's just. You know, I think I think these things add something to it, 
and and in a positive way. Um, but I, I can understand if if you had to make a tonal change right. to the movie, you would just you could cut all this positive stuff, and you would get what we got the the theatrical cut, which is dark, which is you know harrowing to watch, mm-hmm. um, but it's still really great film. So sure, I, I I tend to agree with you that that the the tonal shift would be. Um, it is quite jarring, and that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I like it. I like the scenes, um, but it's hard to find out where they would. Well, we know where they would fit logically, but do they fit? You know, as much as we want Laura to have these positive moments in her life, especially in these last seven days, there is such a powerful moment of of catharsis at the end of the film. When she finally finds her angel, mm-hmm. when her angel returns, that I think um, that power would be somewhat diminished, maybe, by having hope be present throughout those seven days. Yeah. Which is horrible. I would never say that about any other film. But it's almost like you, you want you yeah. want Laura to hurt so bad yeah. so that the end makes, makes well, it, you and it, cry. Yeah, and it kind of feels like her character... It gives reason for um, her eventual choice to die. Right. If you view the ending that way, right. And she chooses to die in order to save her soul. Yeah. It's because it, it because her world is so dark. Yeah. I think it what it clashes with is the good Laura versus bad Laura. Uh huh. You don't get much of the good Laura in this thing. I yes. mean, you get a little bit with Harold, but then she makes out with him in a weird kind of way. And, and you get some of it with Donna in the in the pink room scene where well, she exactly. comes to and, Donna's and that's, rescue. And, and that's really the only really clear mm-hmm. moment of it. Or when is, the log lady, before she goes into the roadhouse, when the log lady kind of hints that there's there must still be good in there. So you know there's good there. I, I guess, but I you don't you don't see it expressed in any other way. No. Um, I mean, kind of at the end again with James, she sh- saves James. Yeah. By refusing to be with him. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Again, I, I, yeah, I, I think it strengthens the the good Laura, bad Laura conversation and dynamic that we've we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does it does uh, change the change the feel of the overall film definitely yeah. too. So there's trade offs for sure. Absolutely. Any, um, any other scenes that really well jump out at you or well the other things that we've talked about in the past is that a lot of the scenes. Are about the townspeople. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So there's, there's, uh, a, I think they were described as like, uh, we're gonna write these scenes because we want our friends to be in this movie. We want these people to return. So, so they wrote scenes for a lot of characters who don't appear in the movie at all. Like Ed and Norma have a scene that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, Pete and Josie have a scene with Del Mibler. Yeah. That's just, funny. It, and, great. And, yeah, it's funny. Uh, and beautifully shot. I love oh, how yeah, that scene it's, looks. It's, it's gorgeous. so nice. The yellows in that. It's just... Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, uh, what are some other scenes that come up? There's um, a few extra scenes that are sprinkled in through... Um, or extended moments in the double R with Norma, yep. Ed, and Nadine. Yep. Um, we get some more Shelley and Leo. Yep. And a shot of, like, the townspeople at church. Yep. Um... Some Lucy, Andy, Andy, Truman, Truman and Hawk at the yeah. sheriff's department. There, there's, there's two scenes. There's that two are scenes kind of, at the sheriff's department. Yeah, um, that are loosely. Connected. Yeah, and and I mean, as, apart from the Ed and Norma scene, which I which I really love, and just because I love them so much, <laughs> I would want to see that return to the film. The other ones kind of feel like tonally they don't fit at all. We we harp on this the tonal thing, but I mean, Fire Walk with Me is a dark film. 
the way that it's presented, the theatrical cut. So I, I understand why you would want to get rid of Pete and Josie and Del Mibbler arguing about two by fours, what yeah. actually constitutes a two-by-four, right? Yeah. Like, that doesn't fit with well, a story of the rape and murder of the homecoming well, queen. And it has nothing to do with Laura. Yeah, Otherwise, exactly. the theatrical cut is very focused on Laura. Exactly. She's in almost every scene. Yeah. Um, and everything's about her. Yeah. So, yeah, all these other scenes where she's not involved, they, right. it's fairly easy to cut. Yeah. Really, at the end of the day, if you have too much film. Um, yeah, and that's exactly it. It's like it's like there were two separate films that were being done there, and and I think Lynch made a very dis he, a decisive decision. Decisive decision. Yeah. <laughs> His uh, decision was made decisively. Yes, to say nope, this isn't going to work. Like it worked for the TV show. Uh, when you had time to kind of luxuriate in mm-hmm. the world that you were creating. But at this point, this was Laura's story. So I totally get why those scenes were cut. As much as I like them and as much as they, you know, I'm... They, we're never going to see Pete again, right? Yeah, so that's, yeah, the, that's last the last scene, scene with, scene Pete. with Pete. Del Mibbler, we're never going to uh, see him again, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's that, that kind of stuff. Like, I'm glad that they're there. Yeah. But I get why they weren't in yeah. the final cut. Yeah. Some other scenes that didn't even make the Q2 edit. Yeah. Like the Cooper, Cooper and Diane, Diane scene, which um, l- let's talk about this one a little bit because it's funny. It is funny. It's I'm not as interested in Cooper as you are, so I'm not no, as interested and, in this scene. And, and I don't think that this is... Um, I. It's not the Cooper that I would expect to see. Well, and yeah, it is... Again, totally. Yeah. It's a very different tone than yes. the Cooper that we're used to. There's in literally no play. I don't know where this... I haven't read the, the shooting script. I don't know where this was slotted in. But I can't imagine a place where it would fit. No. Even, and that's why it doesn't appear in the queue. Yeah, yeah. Because there's just no... It's Cooper uh, doing like wall sits mm-hmm. and talking to Diane... It's a one-sided conversation. You don't even see Diane, but he's talking to her through a, doorway. through a doorway into her office, trying to figure out what she's done differently in the office. Because she changes everything every or something Thursday. Every or Thursday, or yeah. And it's it's weird because it's a it's a much more jubilant Cooper than we see in the rest of the film. I mean. It's his assistant, presumably. Sure. He would be joking and jovial. But would he but, call himself the dashing well, exactly. agent Cooper? That's the thing. And, and he bosses her around. Like he says, like now because I got it right and yeah. you were you were the dumb woman. You have to wow. make me a great cup of coffee. And I'm not well, sure if that's necessarily what the well the implication is. I think it's I, just playful banter. Yeah. Okay. But, but I mean, it it has it has a bit more of a an edge to it than mm-hmm. I think uh, we're used to in Cooper. And it could be that. This is why after they film, they're like, "Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't fit." And, fit. And let's yeah. just cut it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is a very, it's a slightly different feel for Cooper yeah. for sure. Yeah. What the other scene that I can think of that was cut from the film and was not included in the fan edit is uh, a scene with Philip Gerard lighting a circle of candles, like we saw in unlighting, unlighting, so, yeah. but yeah, because it was filmed backwards. So and he's saying "fire walk with me" yes. over and over again, putting out these candles. Yes, and it's but it's interesting that it's the first. It's the circle of candles like we saw in in the international pilot. Yes, um, which to me, uh, after watching the whole series, just it connects to the sycamore trees. It was the twelve. Oh yeah, circle oh, of for trees, sure. and and yeah. he's lighting that. It's another way to access. 
Sure. The and circles being being another theme throughout. Yeah, it's. But I again like even well no it was it. No, it wasn't in the Q2 edit. I don't think so. I no. can't remember it being in there. I don't there. think it was. But if it was, I mean, it's it's like super short. It's 30 yeah. seconds or 10, 15 seconds yeah, maybe, maybe at the most. Uh, and it serves no plot purpose. I mean, theoretically, maybe this is when Mike slash Philip Jarred uh, realizes that Leland's nearby and he grabs his ring. Or maybe this is how he, he gets the ring, perhaps, is by lighting this fire. Or sure. This, this circle of things. Uh but that's it. Like, yeah, it's it really doesn't have much to do with anything. So. Yeah. But it's super creepy. I love it just for that part. It's like, oh, man, unlighting yeah. candles is just... There's something about that that's really disconcerting to watch. Well, any of the scenes that are filmed backwards and then played forwards again... Yeah, but... There's something... Well, but, but it's... fire. Like, it's just yeah. like watching someone put out a, a candle is just... With a match. With a match that's lit is yeah. is just very unnerving. I, I love it. Yeah, exactly. Uh. The other one I want to talk about mm-hmm. is actually in the Deer Meadow okay. section, and it is this one's from Jay Edgar. Oh uh, yes, so it's the yeah. I'm fight surprised scene. you didn't mention that earlier. Yeah, I, and it's it's again I can totally see why they cut it. You don't really need it to get the story. So it's basically after uh, they'd come back for Teresa's body after investigating her home and uh, the diner and everything. They've come back to the sheriff's office, and the sheriff doesn't want to give over Teresa's body to the FBI. Right. So. They have this lengthy fight scene between yes. <laughs> Chester Desmond and uh, Sheriff Cable, Sheriff Cable. Uh, and it's it's just it's fun to watch. I love it because Cable's such a dick. Like he he bends his steel and then sucker punches uh, Desmond, <laughs> and then Desmond just m- wipes the floor with him. Yeah, uh, it's just really fun to watch. Uh, and uh, Chris Isaac does a great job. You know, he looks like the kind of guy who just like yeah, let's throw down. He just takes off his badge and goes at it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I really love to watch that one. And, you know, uh, Kiefer Sutherland too. He's great. He's just watching Jubilee and he has a comment at the end. He's like, very proficient Agent Desmond or something yeah. like that. And I love how he calls him Agent Desmond. Yeah, exactly. All the time. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 great. Um, Plus it, it fits with the, like, otherwise there's no, um, there's no reason for for the Deer Meadow police, or for the Deer Meadow constabulary to give Teresa Banks' body over. Well, so it doesn't make a lot of sense in the film, in yeah, the theatrical version. In the film, you don't get why they're putting up a fight and then it just goes away yeah. and they get the body. Like, it, it does, I mean, when you're watching it, and this is a uh, credit to whoever did the editing along with David Lynch, that the way it's cut... You can't think, oh, yeah, they, they, I think they crack a joke at the end of the scene or something to... Yeah, uh, something about my phone has a little ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they, they chuckle, and then it cuts away. And you're like, okay, they got the body. They just dealt with that. Yeah. Um, but here it's like, oh, no, that was not the end. And and after watching this now, you come back to it, and you're like, no, I want to see the fight. I want to see him, like, knock yeah. the guy out just to yeah. get the body, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, and I just love the way that sh- the the missing pieces scene is shot too. It's like I, it made me want to watch a uh, a David a, Lynch fight movie. Yeah, like a maybe <laughs> like a like a I don't know if I'm pronouncing it, but a wuxia uh, like kung fu movie. Like okay. I just love to see him, you know, with characters flying through the air with swords <laughs> and daggers and stuff. That'd be awesome. So yeah. that would be fun. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, there are so many there. It's so many nice little moments. But they're so, like, the scene with Laura and her mom talking about the school books and sharing a cigarette. Or 
um, the extra little bit that you get with um, the the extra little scenes with all the extra with um, the townspeople that mm-hmm. are just like you know yeah Margaret with you know hearing the screams off in the distance mm-hmm. or uh, Andy and Truman manning the the radio um, and Lucy talking to them in her way that she does. You know, and then Andy and Lucy bumping into each other in the hallway and freaking each other out. Like, they're they're fun to watch, and and I think we could. I, I'm very very glad that we have them. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think in terms of the ones that we mentioned are the ones that I think really do stand out as important scenes that mm-hmm. that could have been included. That I'm all, sad that they weren't. Yeah, but they're all kind of lengthy scenes. Again, yeah, they are. You know, you're running. He already has, I think, Firewalk Me is two hours and fifteen minutes or something right. like that. Like pushing it to two yeah. hours and two and a half hours for these extra yeah. scenes. You know, he, I'm sure, he would yeah, have no, and a ton makes, of pushback on that. It so. makes absolute sense why yeah, why, why that was done. Uh, the last one I do want to mention yes. is the what's titled the epilogue. So it's yes. it's a collection of added extended scenes that kind of take place uh, after Laura's died. Um, and there's some interesting stuff there. First of all, you get a repeat of the little man from another place and Cooper talking about uh, the Red Room and saying, is it future? Is it past? I am the arm. He reintroduces himself, all that stuff. Right. Um, and, but this time the, the ring's missing. Right. And Cooper asks, where am I and how can I leave? Well, and he realizes that Annie has the ring yes. too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. He says, Annie. And then yeah. he asks to leave. Um, and that's the other interesting part is, is Annie at the end. So this, yeah. is, this is kind of the... The scene that everybody wanted to, when they came yes. to Fire Walk for me, this is what they wanted to see. What happened, what happened to Annie? Annie? And How's Annie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you get the the thing of her being comatose. Yeah, uh, or catatonic. Catatonic, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, repeating herself. Uh, the phrase that she told uh, Laura in her dream. Right. That, I've been to the lodge with Cooper. Blah blah blah. Um, and that's like it's super creepy. You also realize she does have the ring. Yes. Uh, then you realize that it gets stolen. <laughs> right yeah. Away. Um, which I think ties in well with. Uh, Secret History of Twin Peaks we were talking we'd recorded that earlier uh, talking about how does this ring get around so much yeah. I, I think I feel like it has a way of of subduing its owners perhaps or the spirits have a way of knocking their owners out of commission long enough for someone else to to take it and, and roll maybe, with it maybe, maybe. or something because um, you know Nixon maybe he went bankrupt after he was president I don't know I feel like yeah. <laughs> you know like well, but, but that's that is interesting because um Presumably, Annie takes the ring or has the ring on when she leaves Glastonbury Grove, when she leaves the lodge or the Red Room or however you want to call it. Um, so she was supposed to be the intended recipient of the ring. Um, well, but but at, something changed from the moment she took the ring, and she didn't have it for very long. But I don't. I don't. I don't think the ring has. Agency like that. No, I'm saying I no, I don't think it's the ring. I think that and I don't think she chose the ring. I don't think she chose the ring either. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, I'm saying okay. that that um, that somebody gave her the ring, or somehow she came into possession of the ring. But she didn't have it for as long as Teresa had it or Laura had it, because she wheeled had into two the, seconds physically in right, the real world, right? Right, but. Annie's wheeled into the hospital and immediately or very, very quickly somebody steals it from her. Yeah. So, um, But the other thing that's interesting about this scene is that it's some months later. 
some oh, months that's right. later. Yes, it is so much later. Yeah. In the TV show, at the end of the the season two finale, it's a day later. Mm-hmm. Truman's been waiting all night and sees Cooper and Annie come out of the lodge. Annie's wearing the same dress that she was wearing when she went in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the events of the the end of that episode. Here, it says some months later, and Annie's wearing Caroline's dress. Yeah. So you've got to wonder if this is even the same Annie, or if this is the start of what a lot of people, ourselves included, are looking at for season three, involving that wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. stuff. Maybe there's time travel, maybe there's alternate timelines, or um, destinies are being altered in some way. Uh, It's... Watching it the first time, these are things that I didn't pick up on. I was just like, whoa, okay, so Annie had the ring, and then she didn't have the ring, and now this nurse has the ring, and what's what's going to happen to that nurse? Like, well, not really. I didn't really care about the nurse, but, (laughs) but now having, you know talked with people and read the secret history there's a there's more to that i think so that is that is noteworthy but it doesn't really fit with the film yeah i get why they cut that too oh yeah for sure um yeah and i mean especially in the q2 edit this was one of the scenes that bothered me because this whole sequence it's long it's it's a long sequence it's probably another six seven eight minutes maybe no maybe not that long maybe four or five yeah um but it comes right after this harrowing experience for Laura mm-hmm. where she dies and Bob is going and asking for his garment. Or Mike is asking for his garment. Bozia from Bob. Right. And we're like, what the hell's going on? And Leland, Leland is, is there. there. And it's, just, <laughs> it's craziness. And then we see, you know, they pull back the, the curtain on Laura and she's dead. And then in the theatrical cut, you cut straight to... The Red Room. The Red Room and Laura being her visited redemption. by her angel. Yeah. yeah. And you get her redemption immediately after her death. And then it ends, and that's the end. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It's great. This is not that. This adds this whole interlocution of Cooper's story into the middle of Laura's um, emotional climax, I would say. Right. Uh, so, and it feels just off. It, it feels it feels awkward. I. Yeah. It does interrupt her thing, and that's the only. This is the only part of the Q two edit that I did not enjoy because I was like, oh, I want. I just want to go straight to Laura's thing, yeah. but this is such important stuff that I'm like, yeah, you got to put it somewhere, and you can't put it after Laura's crying to the into the TV slash angel slash. No, you know, you know where you put it. Where season three. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah, probably. So this is this is where a lot of people are saying that you know. Uh, season three or the return is going to be literally the return of agent cooper to twin peaks and the return of this that part of the story is going to be finished or come together with laura's in a in a spectacular way which we know is has been hinted at so um it doesn't fit with the film but it but it certainly does seem to match up and fit in nicely with a potential new season of, yeah, of Twin Peaks. Definitely. So, we'll find out. Yes, soon. Very soon. Very soon. In just a few days. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about the missing pieces? Um, no, I'm on the record as having said that the Q2 edit is my preferred way to watch it. Yeah. I stand by that. I think the missing pieces are great. I even... I don't mind the, the extra townsfolk scenes. I think they... They make it feel a little bit more like Twin Peaks. Yeah. It is more of the world than than we got in the in the film, and 
yeah, watching them is still really exciting and, and really, uh, it's new Twin Peaks, basically. I mean, it's two years old now, or three years old almost. Uh, but it's it's the newest Twin Peaks we've got until the new series comes out, so it's, it's still exciting to watch it again and again. And I will go on record as saying that Firewalk With Me is pretty damn perfect the way it is. And the extra scenes don't take away as much as maybe I thought in the past, but I still don't think that they add as much. And uh, for that reason, I think that they're best viewed separately. I appreciate the effort that was made by the fan who did create the Q2 edit, but um, I'm going to defer to David Lynch. He is the, the master auteur. Yeah. He is the one who well, has final cut. Exactly. It's interesting he didn't release like a director's cut yeah. or something like that. With there must be a reason for that. That's well, what yeah, I'm thinking. I think, I think he, he stood by his, yeah. his original release and said, this is still something I'm very proud of. So this is why I think when, when looking forward to season three or looking forward to the return, um, looking forward to the return of Twin Peaks, I think we, we have to be mindful of when David Lynch says that Firewalk With Me will play an important role and that we should all watch Firewalk With Me before we watch this, the new episodes, he's not talking about the missing pieces. No. He released them. He edited them. He scored them. He had, well, he did score them, but he, you know, yeah. that exists. He put it out there, but I don't think he meant for it to be viewed as preparatory material. No. Or integral to understanding the story of Laura Palmer. No, I don't. I don't think there's anything here, except for the Philip Jeffries extended version yeah. that that's really going to affect right. the mythology very much yeah. and the world. So I think yeah. you can yeah easily skip it and you you won't miss too many beats. But um, I do enjoy them. Oh, of course, and they're they are tremendous fun. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that we thought we'd check out before we move on to the season three before we move on to season three thank you yep uh is the between two worlds featurette yes. that was released uh along with the, in the special features of the entire mystery blu-ray set this is the one that was the interview between david lynch and the still living sarah palmer and the 25 years deceased leland and laura palmer um, so we just watched it. We don't have any notes on it. We wanted to just kind of absorb it and let it flow over us because it was, I've only watched it once. I only watched it the first time mm-hmm. when I got the DVD or when I got the Blu-ray set and I haven't watched it since. Yeah. How about you? Hey, yeah, same. Same. Yeah. So, um, we thought this would be interesting because I, I don't think any of, I, nobody knows if this was scripted. Or if this was just these actors getting into character again? I, I felt like it was not scripted. I felt like maybe they they talked about it beforehand yeah, and they for gave five notes minutes. Or something? Like, yeah, maybe talk about this a little bit. And, yeah, and, and stuff like that. And then yeah. they thought about it, and they just filmed it. Yeah. And so like a it. like an improv scene or something. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was really really mm-hmm. interesting. Um. But given when this would have been filmed, you know, in the in the months leading up to the announcement of season three. Yeah, which obviously had already been written. Yeah, so so ideas have been tossed around. The actors involved may have already been contacted to reprise their roles. Mm-hmm. I don't know when those conversations took place, but you would think that if they were reprising their roles for this, they probably had an inkling that something was, com- something was coming down the pipeline, right? Yeah. Or down the pipe. So 
that to me, thought I thought, okay, we have to watch this before season three starts. Do you think that it added anything, Aiden? Um, potentially. I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, it really. I mean, they they're great actors. <laughs> it really comes yeah. across more than anything. They're still going to do a great job, all three of them. Yeah, they um, haven't lost any of it. No, I. I mean, they've nailed those characters down so well. Um, the interesting thing for me was Leland still doesn't accept responsibility for yeah. anything with Laura. Yeah. Um, and I'm, again, I, I, I feel like that is that is interesting because I think that's how Ray Wise approaches the whole thing is that there is an on and off switch between Bob and Leland. Right. Um, and Leland doesn't have any control or anything like that. Or at least he doesn't, he won't admit to it. Again. Yeah. And it, like that's the thing, when it's his character, he, Leland, will perhaps never admit that he did anything wrong. Sure. I did not kill anybody. Yeah. Said his doppelganger, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is which is really interesting. Um, and we just got to see if, if that kind of ambiguity is there or not in the Because it still existed in, in the series. Mm-hmm. And when David Lynch returned to do Firewalk With Me, he uh, kind of d- doubled back, I guess, on yeah. what, he'd, uh, what he'd said in those episodes where Leland was revealed to be, yeah. or the, at least what he wasn't involved in in that final episode that that Ray Wise was in, where Leland died, but um, he would have had sign off on that yeah, story. I'm sure, yeah. So you'd think that he was okay with admitting that maybe Leland wasn't. Maybe I mean that's right after he they revealed the killer, which he sure. didn't want to do, right? right. Who, who knows what his involvement level was. But like, at least but. In, in 1992, with Firewalk With Me, he was saying, no, you know what? Actually, maybe there's more to this. Yeah. So to have Ray Wise sitting there as Leland Palmer saying, I didn't kill anybody in 2014, um, it it complicates things again. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that'll be really interesting. And knowing that Ray Wise is coming back, and, I mean, IMDb is notoriously incorrect Especially well, with for pre-release. For yeah. pre-release, yes. <laughs> Until the... Yes, thank you for correcting that. But he's listed as being in, in all 18 hours, all 18 episodes. So um, if he plays a big role, how is that going to play? How yeah, is that going to work? Gonna work yeah. um, I loved seeing Grace Zabriskie yeah. pull out Sarah Palmer again yeah. and talk about her life since yeah. her husband's so daughter sad. died. And it sounds like... She, she definitely has mental health issues like that. Well, she mentions in her little her little yeah, speech she that saw her doctors that she and, sees doctors and um, she yeah she's she's clearly been affected and with some of the the trailer that was released a couple of days ago we got um, a shot of her self medicating yeah well potentially right she's walking down the grocery aisle looking longingly at some bottles of alcohol right. and. Uh, you know, it fits right in with the this interview, mm-hmm. the way that Sarah's talking about her life and how she still lives in the same house, and uh, it's mostly the same, except it's starting to fall apart a bit, and uh, it's... But nobody cares. Yeah. She still puts on the happy smile when she goes she to the grocery out. store. I just thought that was... It was very uh, poignant and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it... Watching this now, knowing that in a very short amount of time we're going to see Sarah again, yeah. um, rather than when I watched it in 2014, yeah, it added something. I watched it oh, with yeah. new eyes, yeah. right? So, and what did you think of Laura? Uh, well, it's I mean, Shirley's still Laura. 
to a T. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Like, she can go from that sad kind of default expression, which is, yeah. which is there, to, like, the, her smile just, you know, flickers back. And yeah. it's just, like, it's, it's incredible to watch. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, Laura's still, I imagine, going to be quite a, a, a dicey figure to deal with in, sure. in the new season just because uh, Cheryl Lee does such a good job with her every time. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I was kind of flick, uh, not paying attention a little bit when she was talking just because it was, I don't know, the whole the whole uh, setup for it is kind of awkward for me because it's like, now we're going to talk to these dead characters. And then David Lynch doesn't help when he's like, now, Laura, you've been dead 25 years right. in his deadpan. And I just, yeah. I want to choke up laughing because I'm like, yeah, this is so typically Lynch. Uh, so, like, after a while, I was just, I wasn't really paying attention to her, her words. But, I mean, it's funny that she, you know, she still kind of pinpoints Bob as, like, the source yeah. of a lot of the bad things that happened in her life. Um, and, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, she mentioned some, that she's, she's met a lot of people with no names. With no names. And I thought that was interesting in just because I, and maybe it's just because we've been talking about Fire Walk with me so much recently, but it made me think of Above the Convenience Store. Yeah. And it made me think of the characters that um, we don't have names for. We have the electrician, we have the woodsman, we have the jumping man. They don't have names. No. Um, are there more of them? Is this who she's talking about? Has she been in these places with yeah. these people who have no names? Is that what she's referring to? I, I kind of think so. And it's it's interesting because, okay, Mike and Bob give themselves names. Yeah. But they're creatures who inhabit earthly yes. uh, vessels, basically, yeah. right? Um, none of the other ones. I mean, we never that see we the little man. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. We see the Tremonts and the Chalfonts uh, yes. in their form. Yes, in the real world. In the real world. But, yeah. I mean, but it's, we don't it's know so what messy, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, I feel like names are something that humans have. Like, yeah. the little man from another place is just that. He's a little the man from another place. The giant is the giant. He's a giant, yeah. Like, there's no, there's no like need even, to give him a name. Even when he gives himself a name, I'm the arm. It's yeah. Just, it's, it's a piece. It's a, it's a yeah. body. It's, it's just a, a basic noun. It's a physical noun. thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not a name. No. I feel like names aren't for the Red Room. They, they don't yeah. they're not required there because yeah. the spirits just are it's yeah yeah it's almost like everything there is almost psychic as opposed to right you know you don't need to know someone's name you're no. just like oh that's that's a long haired dude with the denim jacket yeah we call we him Bob but yeah, yeah nobody else does I so mean, that 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 to me suggests that Laura was spending time she's been in yeah in this place yeah which then again because of the way that fire walk with me ends yeah when does that take place then? Yeah. If she's been in the red room, uh, at the end of of Fire Walk with Me, mm-hmm. is that twenty five years later as well? Are we going to see Laura's redemption story again? Are we going to see the lead up to that? We don't know what happens in the red room. Yeah. Time makes no sense. No. Um, so is there has has she has she been stuck in the red room all these years too? Has she not? Had her, she not met her angel yet? I don't know. I don't know either. And pure that's speculation at this point. Pure speculation. And literally, we're coming up with this off the top of our heads right now because, like I said, we didn't take notes. We just kind of. I think this is this is good prep for what we're going to be doing <laughs> yeah, in, our, yeah, in exactly. our podcast because yeah. uh, with season three, it's going to be a lot of. Uh, what do you think? I have no idea. What yeah, do you think? <laughs> very, very quick reaction cast, I yeah. think, is what it's going to be mostly. We'll analyze later, but yeah. uh, or analyze as we go. It's going to be a 
a beautiful mess. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, so this, this was fire this, week with us. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining <laughs> us on this weekly fire walk, yeah. I guess. Just for this week. Just We're not doing week. this every week. No. This was a lot of work to put together. Yeah. <laughs> five episodes in five days. Yeah. We are not going to do a daily podcast no. at any point in our future. No, we both have ever. jobs and, and, and yes. things to do. Uh, but, but it's been fun yeah. for this week. Yeah. And uh, we are so looking forward. So it's Friday. Uh, we've got Saturday and then Sunday we get brand new episodes. And for those of you who have access to all four hours, there's four hours of new Twin Peaks in like 48 hours potentially. So exciting. So exciting. Um, Exciting does not do the work. It's not, it does not do justice. It is far too tame a word. Yep. Yep. So, um, once again, thank you for joining us. And let's meet up on the other side. Yes. uh, For the new season. On Twin Peaks Tuesday. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, before we cut, Erin, I want to hear your 16 reasons why James is awesome. Oh yes, did you bring them? (laughs) And I think we'll I tack that on to the end of the... I don't know the... if I got 16 actual reasons. <laughs> you better have 16 yeah. because I'm going to play the Connie Stevens 16 Reasons song before. One, two, three, four. Oh, wow. I actually have 16. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's okay, hear it. Okay, we got to hear this. <coughs> the, the 16 Reasons Why James is Cool. <laughs> I can love it already. Um... But just for the record, some of these are maybe kind of a stretch, but I'm sticking <laughs> with them. Uh, he rides a motorcycle. Yep, okay. He fixes cars. He hangs out at a, a said weirdest, but also coolest biker bar. He gets caught with cocaine and manages to get away with it. That is true. Yeah. Uh, he gets with... Four chicks in the span of two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, when things get complicated, he just leaves. <laughs> uh, he wears a leather jacket. He automatically break, cool. Yeah, yeah, automatically cool. He breaks pencils like a boss. <laughs> um, he's a singer-songwriter. I love it. <laughs> uh, he solves mysteries. Okay. He wears cool sunglasses. Okay. Uh, he doesn't wear a helmet while he rides his <laughs> motorcycle. He always plays it cool. So that one's a bit of a stretch. Uh, he stands up for himself. These are getting really bad. This uh, is like dare advertisement. Like, stand up for yourself. <laughs> say no to cocaine. <laughs> He's uh, blissfully ignorant. That's, okay, yeah, no, all right. That's, yeah. that's a bonus. Sure. And uh, he revs his bike when he's mad. So... That right. automatically makes you cool, cool as anyone who lives near a busy street. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is absolutely not related to the, the size of your penis. <laughs> <laughs> at, at all. all. So <laughs> those, those are the 16 reasons why James is cool. Um, oh my god. Aaron, you, you did it. You yeah, solved it. Solved, I, I, I think know. Twin Peaks is infinitely more 
better. Well, That's he's now going to be my favorite character in season three, regardless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A couple scenes, I'll be like, James, so cool now. No, yeah. you're like, blissfully. I love you, James. <laughs> <laughs> and then run off into the woods. <laughs> Basically. Yes, agreed, one hundred percent. Okay, that was perfect. That was a, that Thank was you. perfect. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I hope everybody changes their minds. <laughs> Your list will go change. a long way towards convincing people. Yeah, I think that's true. The singer songwriter part. I mean, that's just, eh. yeah. No, you know, no. Automatically, Lindsay, he being was, a singer songwriter. So, he had instruments he wasn't even capable of playing. Playing. Okay, that's how good he was. <laughs> He was playing guitar, bass, and drums. Yes. All through a guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that's pretty badass. That's pretty awesome. I will yeah, admit so. that. 